Hey there, you're listening to Your Life is Awesome, brought to you by Enjoy Toys, featuring true life stories about sex told by audience members at Smut Slams around the world. Smut Slam is a growing network of dirty storytelling shows founded in 2011 by me, Cameron Moore. We do our best to keep Smut Slam safe, but safe doesn't mean G-rated. Some of these stories are explicit as fuck. If you're not into that, now is a good time to get out. Otherwise, enjoy the show. Greetings, you majestic pervs, and welcome to Your Life is Awesome, a podcast featuring stories from Smut Slam, the sex-positive community storytelling show that happens all over the world. Now, you can check what that means on our website, smutslam.com. All over the world literally means in multiple countries all around the globe. But we do something special to share that experience with places that aren't on my tour route, that don't have a chapter of Smut Slam where you can have in-person, exciting storytelling happenings. We record some of our stories that get shared at the events. And when people say it's okay, we share them with you. So um, one thing you need to know about our Smut Slams as well uh, is that if you if you're showing up to, to do stories there, we adhere to a code of conduct. So we we share these guidelines that have been developed over 13 years with our audience members, our judges, our volunteers, and storytellers, where we kind of all have come to agreements about what it means to be well-behaved at the same time that we're trying to be rowdy. So if you want to read the full code of conduct, that is at smutslam.com at code of conduct. So go check that out if you want to get a sense of context for what's going to be happening here uh, on the podcast, but also at the in-person Smut Slams. I'll tell you more about those later, but for now, you just need to know that we're quite civilized in our smut. I want to let you know also that we are digging through a big backlog of Smut Slam material that happened when I was on tour last year in Canada. This episode was recorded in Montreal in June 2023 at the Mainline Theatre as part of the Montreal Fringe Festival. I was on tour last summer all last summer, all across Canada, and managed to get some excellent smut slams in with various fringe communities. The theme for this slam was wild. Sex without a map, full-on feral encounters. Yes, Uh, there were lots of like, ooh, and ah moments, but I want to share with you also, uh, there's a fair bit of uh, blood throwing up and poop. Too. So it's all a little wild there. It's a quite a ride as it always is. And uh, I just wanted to give you a heads up on that stuff. In between the stories that we got from audience members, you're going to get to hear some fuck buckets where we solicit anonymous questions and confessions from the audience members. And I get to read those out loud. It's my favorite part of the slam, to be honest, is digging into the fuck bucket, pulling these out, and doing my level best to express or interpret the confessions, to give good answers to the questions, or to open them up for other people to give good answers to. It's so good. It's it's edutainment at its finest. So keep an ear out for those fuck buckets. Settle back, strap in, and I will see you on the other side. What? I once had sex with someone who refused to take off his hat and rosary. 
All the way through, the rosary kept hitting me under the chin to the beat of his hip thrusts. To this day, this interaction is known as my threesome with Jesus. Yeah. Wow. Yes, yes, yes. Okay. If you pressure, beg, and say you're so turned on that you can't hold back anymore and we're in a vulnerable emotional state and you insist to just put it at the entrance between the lips and we give in after half an hour of this, it's not consensual. Even if you're a, quote, good guy and you have a daughter, you, a daughter you, you love like crazy. Maybe it never clicks that you, you're, yes, that kind of guy. Yes, this is correct. We got the little manifesto moment right in here. That's great. The fuck bucket is for all of it. Okay. Um, no pressure on people, right? Like if they say no, no butt sex, you say, great. And then you never bring it up again because they know that you want butt sex and they will come back to you if they want to do butt sex is what I'm saying on this. Okay. We're all clear. And everyone's like, yeah, yeah, no, it's good. It's good. Yeah. <laughs> Hi, everybody. All right. This is a story about... Something that happened at the beginning of the pandemic. And I'm not talking about this pandemic. I'm talking about the pandemic before this pandemic, AIDS. So I was young and I was discovering myself, mostly in Montreal. But there was New York City, which I had visited. And... Um, 42nd Street was a lot dirtier then than it is now. So as a little guy, we see all these porno cinemas, and there were women shown with their breasts, but there were also guys shown with their bodies, and I was definitely looking at the guys. So as a little guy... I ended up going to New York on my own some of the time. And I would go to Christopher Street. It's funny, I always thought I would end up on 42nd Street, but somehow I never got there. Good thing it was super dangerous. So one year, AIDS dropped into the community and freaked us all out. And um, I hear in Montreal, I don't know how, that there are these clubs that have safe sex nights. And little Kevin thought, that sounds hot. <laughs> now, what does that mean? I didn't really know, but I did end up being in New York City and wandered into one of these clubs, which was kind of close to the Chelsea Hotel. And they opened the door, and they let people in for a certain duration of time, and then they closed the door. And when they closed the door, no one could enter, you could leave, and everyone has to take off their clothes. But, and put them in the coat check, of course. <laughs> but before they close the doors, you're upstairs 
and I'm hanging out looking at all these guys looking at each other. Obviously, they were more used to this activity than I was. And um, I see a guy that really interests me. And dressed, we start getting involved with each other. And things open. I don't really understand the naked, not naked thing in this event. And it seemed like it was okay. And of course, I'm totally in love at this point. (laughs) (laughs) And it's time for the doors to close. And he turns to me and says, well, I'll see you later. And that's the last I saw of him. And honestly, I looked for him all night. That's all I was looking for at this very kind of sexy party. Thank you. That's for the podcast in case you want to like, yeah, okay. All right. Um, I just want to say, like, in this, in these unprecedented times when people are being such shit heels to like, uh, like queers and trans folks, uh, like when I hear stories like this from like, this is some, a couple decades ago at least, right? Yeah. It's like, if you would just fucking show people a little more, like, information, give them resources, you wouldn't have sad moments like that. You'd, like, you'd know in advance, what is a sex party? What are some protocol? And you wouldn't feel so desperate about, like, losing a chance like that, you know? Or you wouldn't feel so, like, sad and, like, wanted to get it because it wouldn't feel like the end of the world if you didn't, right? So I just, I hear that. I'm like, oh, God, we will not go back to that shit, Right? We will not go back to that shit. Um, One of the big problems with fuck buckets is they are completely lacking with context. (laughs) Do you think it's okay for a bunch of people, five to ten, I'm so glad they specified that, a bunch is so loose, uh, a bunch of people, five to ten, Uh, To pee on someone buried in the sand at Oka Nude Beach. (laughs) This is what I mean. There's no further information. Please don't answer the questions if you wrote this. We're trying to keep this anonymous. Um, Lacking other information, I would say, no, it is not okay. Um, You probably shouldn't be peeing in public on a public, even if it's a naked beach. Like, take your pee elsewhere. If you want to pee on them, go back in the bushes, not on the beach. Because then other people have to walk through the sand. Come on. Ugh. It's like kitty litter. Okay. Um, don't need that. Don't need that. So my long-term boyfriend was American, and we were going to visit his parents for the first time in Boston. And I told myself, there are two things I want out of this. One, I want to go to the famed Vibrator History Museum. And I really want some good lobster rolls. So I found both of these in one neighborhood across the street from each other, fortunately. The letdown was that the Vibrator Museum was one bookshelf about this big. I didn't learn very much. It was a little sad. Can't take him for a spin. Just sort of learned that hysteria is a long-standing myth. Didn't do much for me. So at this shop, I bought two things. One, a little 
foot hold for shower sex. I don't know why I thought I needed that. Uh, and two, a little cute round, it rounded, weighted, round, vibrator thing. I don't know what I thought I could do with that. It wasn't very ergonomically friendly. And so we go back, have some great lobster rolls, meet his parents, they love me. We're leaving. His twin brother and his brother's girlfriend see these in the car and proceed to laugh at me. They weren't wrong to laugh at me because I really didn't need that foothold and I did destroy their shower with it. <laughs> did I use toothpaste to put the tile back in place and blame the landlord? Yes, I did. Did it work for multiple years? Yes, it did. So product number one fails. Product number two, a couple months later, uh, my boyfriend works the night shift, I work the day shift, we don't see each other all that much, so I'm like, you know what, let's take this for a spin. Um, it was about this big, uh, not the easiest thing to hold, and so it, woo, into me, and I can't get it out, I can't turn it off. I sit there, vibrating, panicking, texting my boyfriend, asking if he can bring me to the hospital because there is no fucking way in hell I am sitting on a bus with everyone around me hearing the vibration through the bus seats to go to the ER to tell them that there is a toy stuck inside of me that I cannot turn off. So, you know, I spend a couple hours because he can't check his phone on his shift trying to get it out, cry a little bit, lose sensitivity, and eventually I'm like, you know what? People give birth, right? I can do this. So I do get it out. And so it's 11 p.m. He gets off his shift. It's been six hours. And he says, did you get it out? I did. I really did. I'm so grateful I did not end up on the bus or in the ER. But that was a failed purchase. Good Vibrations is a good sex store. I do enjoy it. I will recommend Coolidge Corner for lobster rolls if you're in Brookline in Boston. Really, really good. And uh, their pints are easy to steal. <laughs> so I now when you were saying like the vibrating museum, I'm like, what are you talking about? I'm, I know that shelf. It's like a bookshelf. It's like a narrow IKEA shelf of vibrators. I know some people who have better historical collections than that in their house. Uh, I will say, if you're looking for like sex-related museums, um, if you go to London, the uh, Vagina Museum is looking pretty good these days. They're moving to a new place. The Phallological Museum in Reykjavik has just a bunch of penises in jars, which is fascinating. I know, it's like that. Um, and and also then also in Prague, if you get a chance, there is um, the Museum of Sex, just the Museum of Sex. And it's so shoddy. You've been there, right? It's so shoddy. It's so trashy that you have to go. It's basically a bunch of I I'm pretty sure it's this guy who just who just like who just like looks up patents for sex toys or makes them up and and puts them together in his garage. Um, because it's like sex thrusting, sex, uh, sex machines, right? That you can see the hammers and the nails, like you can see the nails kind of sticking out of the bad spots, you know, it's so bad that it's good. Uh, you gotta go, uh, and there's really good pastry nearby. So like, as always, lobster roll pastry, get the good stuff as long as you're in the neighborhood for the trashy stuff is what I'm saying. Um, oh shit. I found out I had dyspraxia which is, um, is number dyslexia, okay? I found out I had dyspraxia when I went to the wrong house to wake a Tinder date up with a blowjob. <laughs> now, presumably they didn't get in the door, but they obviously rang the doorbell and maybe someone asked them to explain themselves at two o'clock in the morning. I don't know. <laughs> wow.
God. Because, like, I wanted to say self-diagnosis of mental health things and, and, like, and like that sort of thing is totally a valid way to find out that you have number dyslexia. It's maybe not something you could feel safe telling your doctor, but, like... Hmm. Hmm. It took me until I was 35 with a man 11 years younger than myself to have my first full body orgasm. It then became multiples with squirting. The relationship has been relatively vanilla, but has been finally, finally the best sex of my life. It took a seven year sexless relationship ending and unwinding the performativity of early 2000s sex culture to get here. Yeah. Your life is awesome! The first birthday that I spend with my boyfriend is also the first birthday that I have to celebrate during the pandemic. Which means that we can't go for some big fancy dinner, we can't have some big crazy party, but one thing that we can do is have lots and lots of sex. And so... We decide to make a real extravaganza of the whole thing, okay? And we decide to do something that neither of us have done since college, which I know what I look like. I promise you this is farther back than you think it is. We decide to get some MDMA. And <laughs> we are ready to just rock and roll. We want the music festival of pandemic sex. We want a real Coachella, a real tantric palooza, okay? And so what my boyfriend and I both know at this moment in time is that I am a child of divorce, I am mixed race, and I'm also a writer slash performer slash whatever you want me to be. I just need people to love me, okay? So needless to say, I take antidepressants. (laughs) Thank you. (laughs) And uh, my boyfriend, he loves me anyway. And he loves me even on the days when I find it really hard to love myself. And knowing this about him just makes me really fucking horny. My life is awesome. Thank you. And so, on the afternoon of my 27th birthday, we both take a capsule of MDMA, and then we go about setting up. So my boyfriend used to work at a sex shop, and so he has a collection that I know could rival that museum in Boston that Sophia was talking about. Um, We've got, he's got this, like, crab-shaped thing that's, like, Bluetooth-operated. We have a wand, which years from now, in the future, my mom is going to mistake for a karaoke mic. Um, We have... We have this, like, dumbbell, the stainless steel dumbbell, which I know we're not allowed props, but Cameron may or may not have showed it to you all earlier. Not that one, but one exactly like it. And um, we have water-based lube. We have silicone-based lube. And if you don't know the difference, then see me after the show. We also have this sex jello. Does anyone know what the sex yet? It's like this body-safe jello, and you make like a big vat of it, and then you're like all sticky and slinky, and it's like super sexy, right? And so we've taken our pill, and about an hour passes, and I don't really feel anything. So we think, okay, 
Let's go about making our jello, which is pretty much the same process as making regular jello. We pour this like fluorescent orange powder into a giant pot on the stove. We heat it up with water, and then we have to like roll up towels and line the edge of my bed, effectively making ourselves some kind of like trough to frolic around in. And after this, I'm still not really feeling anything. And so my boyfriend suggests that maybe we take some more MDMA. Um, And so we take another one, and then another hour passes, and still not feeling anything. So he suggests I take another one. We take another one. Him, chivalrous as he is, out of solidarity, takes another one. And by this point, his jaw is starting to tap dance. (laughs) Now, what I don't know, but I'm about to know, at this moment in time is that when you take antidepressants, you just can't really enjoy MDMA anymore. So it's like I have these little Prozac police in my head and their job is to ensure that I have this like daily dose of baseline happiness and it just fends off existential dread. And that means that having a sudden surge of euphoria is just like strictly illegal. So I could take all the MDMA under the sun and I would not feel anything, which is like Kind of a superpower, but, like, not really a superpower. But by the time I learned this from Google, my boyfriend has noticed the color of the sky. And the sky is so blue. And he loves the sky. And he loves the color blue. And he thinks he loves the sky and the color blue because his parents used to take him bird watching when he was a kid. And he loves his parents so, so much. And he loves their love. And he loves how they love him. And they love how he loves his little sister. And it's been, like, such a privilege for him to grow up and witness his sister become a little girl and now a woman and it's like not creepy at all that he says that because he's her big brother and he just wants to protect her and now he's crying he's crying tears of happiness because the color blue exists and he decides he just wants to tell me all of his secrets because he wants to be as clear to me as the blue sky is to him in this moment and so I spend my 27th birthday cradling my boyfriend who is crying about the sky while sitting naked in a pile of jello. <laughs> As a cisgender straight woman, is anal worth it? I mean, how much money are you spending on it? I don't know. Um, I'm nervous, but I like to feel good. Good. This is a good first step. Uh, context. My mom says women in our family have tight canals. Okay, so I just want to clarify that your mom is not talking about your butthole. Your mom is talking about vaginal. Um, God, moms are weird sometimes. Thanks, mom. Anal, anal can totally be worth it. If your body is ready to deal with that, like it is 100% worth it. Um, it's a lot of fun. I encourage you, if you're thinking about exploring it, is you don't have to go straight in right away, all right? That is not what, there's no competition to get there up to your elbow, okay? Just like you can just start out on the outside with a finger, with a rim job. You don't even have to, you can put like some plastic wrap down if you're too weirded out, you don't want to get your tongue actually on the, on the 
chocolate starfish, right? But like you can just 100% like get down there, stay on the outside and see how you like that. And then I also encourage people who are considering butt sex, um, if you're worried about it, which I was before I did it, like just make sure everything's clean, just feel, get, get yourself nice and clean. You don't have to spend like an hour with an enema, but like you can like, you can, <laughs> depends how deep you're going, uh, but like get yourself nice and washed up and clean. You learn to use an enema and then you will feel a lot more confident about butt stuff. So, um, um, these are my recommendations. I, I think it's really worth it. Um, I definitely, <laughs> yeah, I've spent a lot of time, um, for various reasons, because I do these sex shows, people ask me questions, uh, because I do smut slam, because I used to do a typewriter thing called sidewalk smut. And I would do custom erotica for people on the sidewalk and, and ask people what they liked. And often like straight women would come to me and whisper, I think I like butt sex. And I'd be like, great, I'm doing you a butt sex story. And I filled it with like instructions. <laughs> it was hot. It was hot. It was good erotica. It was good anal erotica, but it was, there were specifically steps involved. And so I like to think that I help people in that way. Do that butt stuff. Do it. So most penises have this thing, which you probably already know, but I didn't know this until I Googled it on the night of the story in question, but they have this little thing called a frenulum, which is like a bit of skin that connects the foreskin to the glands. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> and, um, so I guess, again, in retrospect, I know this, mine was always tight and sometimes it would hurt a little bit when I was jacking off or having sex, and it was fine, didn't think much of it, was just careful. So a few years back, I was part of a V, with a, like a poly V, with a, 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 a husband and wife, and, and they were nice, and, and one of the, the highlight, I think really the thing that kept me in the relationship is we would have threesomes about once a month, they had kids, and they were incredible. I never had any kind of more than two people sex before, it was just like mind-blowing, all just just excellent, even though the guy was 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 not by and I was though I didn't really realize at the time am uh, but just just that was great and we would and the highlight of these threesomes was th this this woman loved uh, to have both of us inside of her at the same time to have a little DP and we do that and it was and it was just great and you know part of that is you can you what's weird or was weird to me at the time is you can re really like feel the other person's penis inside the person at the same time and and again, straight guy, very kind of like always thought I was straight. This was was weird and exciting. And so one evening we're doing this and it's been a month and it's very exciting. And I'm in her butt and uh, we're doing this. But then, you know, I start getting a, a little soft. It, it happens sometimes. Right. And it's like her husband, it's like he's really hard. So he's like taking up all the space and there's like less and less space. And I'm getting, getting a little crammed in there. Right. And then all of a sudden, and honestly, I don't think I felt any pain, but I looked down and there's just blood <laughs> everywhere. And I obviously I'm very worried because I'm, I'm inside her butt, right? So did, did something go wrong? But I don't think so. So I just excuse myself and they're really into their thing they're going. So they just keep on going. And I go to the bathroom and my frenulum, I don't think it's like technically doesn't exist, but it's much longer than it was before. Um, yeah. So I... I kind of go back and, and hold their hands and a little part of it. And then I go to the doctor the next day and she says no sex for uh, six weeks. And uh, honestly, now it's much more comfortable when I jack off. So silver linings. Thank you very much.
Um, so I just want to say, like, I've done a lot of the smut slams, right? I've done a lot of the smut slams. I learned to hear things in how people introduce stories. I know, for example, that whenever someone talks about their parents at the beginning of a story, it's going to get weird. Just automatically, right? And I also know that no good, happy story ever comes about when someone mentions frenulum. <laughs> there is no happy story where suddenly someone discer- like decides like, oh, oh, and then I discovered it was one of my erogenous zones. That's never what they're telling a story about. Um, so when you said frenulum, I could like, <laughs> Myel and I were both going, oh, no, this is not going to be good. And low, it wasn't. But I'm glad it feels better for you now. (laughs) When you reach the height of an orgasm, what is your reaction? Laughter, crying, etc. And do you have an aftercare process? If so, what is it? Um, So for me, when I am peeking on, so I have a couple different kinds of, a few different kinds of orgasms. Um, I call, uh, so I, I do squirts. I also can really get into like vaginal penetration, but like my biggest and best ones that I've had so far after the womanizer is like what I call like acoustic masturbation in an arena setting, right? (laughs) Acoustic meaning just the hand, no vibrator. And the arena setting, of course, is how loud I get when I'm coming. So I, I fucking, I fucking scream into the pillow and immediately after that, if it's a really big arena rock star orgasm, like I 100%, I do cry a lot afterwards. And it's just like, I think it's because I have just seen the face of the universe and I'm overwhelmed at how beautiful it is. So that's my personal reaction. My life is fucking awesome. It is true. Uh, who, uh, what's my aftercare process? Deep breathing. Um, we, uh, 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 a quick little wipe down, little sluice down of the area there. Um, and then, and then like, like I will stay with, I will get into bed with my partner and we will just talk and be silly. And then it's just like, as long as we're not, we don't tend to go to sleep right afterwards. So like, that's really important to me is just talking and winding down in a silly sort of way. I've been a volunteer at the Montreal Fringe. I think this is year 17 for me. It's been a few years. Um, (laughs) It is pretty awesome. And this happened at a very particularly um, awesome volunteer party at the end of Fringe. So this is after the auction. And, you know, my friend and I, who she had also been volunteering, also a casual partner of mine at the time, um, we'd had a couple beers, and we decided it was going to be a great idea to go have sex in one of the offices over there. <laughs> um, we just went to the first office that we saw, and you know, went in there for about 20 minutes, came back, you know, faces are all shining, we're all in a good mood, and then she proceeds to tell everybody at the party what we just did including the person whose office that was. It's okay. Um, at which point I decided I was very drunk and had probably done enough stupid things for that night and decided to go back to my part, my actual partner's place where I threw up and then fell asleep on the couch. 
fast forward to about three weeks later, and I was working at another. <laughs> I was working at another festival, and who shows up? The person whose office it was, and he told me, and I'll never forget this. Robin, do me a favor. Next time there's a party at Mainline, don't fuck someone in my office. You can fuck them anywhere else in Mainline, just not in my office. Well, you know, they're not here anymore, and I haven't had a chance, so uh, I guess the point's kind of moot. <laughs> Thank you. If you look at it a different way, you just had permission to fuck everywhere else in the in the in the building. He's like officially like on record is like you know. And honestly, like we got a lot of theater people in the house. Are you fucking kidding? There's people who have fucked behind that sound booth. There's people who have fucked in that chair. There's people who have fucked in that on all of the furniture in the lobby. Those have all had sex on them. I guarantee it because they're velvet and it's a fringe. It's a fringe venue, so you know someone has sex. So let's be real about that. But I, I understand that like fucking in the office of the fringe director is probably not the best thing to do. Uh, why didn't you steal one of the bottles of whiskey? Come on. Yep. No, no. I consider the fuck buck could sometimes be an oracle. Sometimes sub themes emerge. Sometimes answers to questions that were asked before emerge. It's magic. I prefer anal sex to vaginal sex because it's easier for me to orgasm. It's like my whole nervous system goes into overdrive and everything becomes electric. See what I mean? It's almost a direct response to somebody else. So, like, this is the magic of the fuck bucket and enough people in the room to be perverts about it. Um, uh-huh. Uh, I was speaking on the phone with a friend while my lover was going down on me. I made sure the call was as short as possible, but my friend never noticed my weird voice. They noticed. They noticed. It's just like you think airline attendants don't know when you're fingering your partner on the airplane. They totally know. They totally know. <laughs> yeah, that was highly specific. I don't care. Um, those blankets are thin. So my first trip uh, outside of North America was to uh, Israel. And uh, I volunteered on many, many farms when I was there. Many farms, three farms. Um, <laughs> and uh, the second farm I went to was a, um, it was like a plant nursery farm. So, and there were people from all over the world that were volunteering there. And I had met up with someone, uh, my God, this is like such a convoluted story and I'm not very good at being organized. Um, okay, so there was a guy I had, I had met like earlier in my trip in Israel from this, working at this farm and um, we had had like amazing sex and it was just really great. And then, uh, then when I was at this this farm, I met up with someone who I had actually met in Montreal through a friend, and he had moved to Israel. So we met up in Israel, 
and um, and uh, you know he came to visit me at the farm I was working at and we like hung out and then we had this whole road trip situation but then because of some like super huge Jewish festival thing we couldn't get back to where I was staying <laughs> because all the roads were closed so we were close to that other guy's place who I had had um, <laughs> sex with like a month ago for a, quite a few times. Um, <laughs> so, so we were like, I just called him and I was like, Hey, um, can we come sleep at your, uh, apartment? And in my head, I'm like, Ooh, this guy I really enjoy having sex with this guy. I really enjoy having sex with, Oh, this is going to be cool. And <laughs> so, but neither of them um, are gay or bi. So um, it kind of, uh, we got there and we were like chatting and whatever. And then I go in the room of the guy whose place it is. And like, I start having sex with him. And it's great. Like, he's amazing at, um, at going down on me. And I really like giving him blowjobs, and it's great. And then, but then the other guy's kind of just like in the living room, and it's like, well, do you want to join us? <laughs> and so eventually, he like comes in and kind of just like lies there for a while because he's like, hmm, do I want to be involved in this or do I want to just enjoy her being in pleasure with him? And eventually, like, he did decide to join. And we got to this point, which is super awesome, where, like, I was in uh, doggy style, and uh, I don't even remember who was where at this point, actually. <laughs> so, 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 like, one guy was uh, penetrating me from behind, and then I was giving the other one a blowjob, and it was really great, and it felt super good. And we were just like, I don't even know how long we were going on for, but everyone was everywhere. Like they, they weren't really like interacting much cause they were both pretty straight. Um, but like it was the time of my life because of the fact they were both straight, they didn't really care about each other's pleasure. So they were like both focusing on me and we were just going at it for, for like quite a while. Um, and I'm trying to remember other <laughs> other things to describe, but right now it's kind of all like <laughs> smushing in my brain. Um, I think generally when people refer to DP, it's like two in one hole, right? It's not it could be either, okay. Well, that didn't happen because that that's just that's a lot. Um, but <laughs> but, but um. Yeah, it was just a lot of fun. Like, there was a lot of touching and a lot of, like, blowjobs and a lot of um, penetration and a lot of, a lot of, like, going down on me. And it was, it was great. It was great. Yeah. So there you go. That's what I'm your discussion of the sex positions more complicated than the other bits where you're like, this is really complicated. No, no, you just, 
fucking around with two different guys on separate occasions and then join them together like that. It's true. Um, not that complicated. My first time ended halfway through, and it took 10 years before I had the chance to go all the way through, and I'm fine with it. All right. One thing that really sticks with me about like doing smut slams is like just the incredible array of experiences that people bring to the room. It's just fascinating where people are coming from. I love it. What did I tell you? <laughs> it was quite a ride there. Whoa, boy. Thank you for listening. Um, I hope you got a lot of joy out of that. We always do. And yeah, if you are intrigued by what's going on, you definitely want to stay in touch with us. Find out if you've got a smut slam coming to you or just need to stay subscribed to this fucking podcast, right? I want to give some specific thank yous for this specific episode. In particular, uh, the Montreal Fringe and the Mainline Theater in Montreal both have been really good supportive home bases for me when I lived in Montreal and then when I returned to tour. They're always fantastic sources of support. I also want to thank the person who was my main uh, everything when I was there in Montreal this last summer. How do I say everything? Basically, she was my homestay. She was my floor manager, my technician for all the different things that I was doing there at the Montreal Fringe. Gabrielle Couillard. Um, Gabby, if you're listening, thank you so much. <laughs> uh, if you like this show a lot and you want to hear more kind of behind the scenes or full extended versions, be sure to join our Patreon for Your Life is Awesome. You get early and extended episodes at patreon.com slash your life is awesome. When we do manage to get up bonus footage or I answer some extra fuck buckets, it all goes there first. All right. So you can support Smut Slam uh, in this specific way. We we love to get more subscribers. Patreon.com, your life is awesome. For upcoming Smut Slams, visit our website at smutslam.com and click on that uh, directory. What it's called events on the front page, but it, it, on the page it's directory. That tells you all of our calendar events coming up here across the Smut Slam network. Upcoming for the next few weeks, we have uh, the Berlin Smut Slam on February 19th and Leipzig on February 27th. Those are both hosted by me. Busty Latish, our host and producer in Amsterdam, is rolling another Smut Slam out on March 3rd. That's March 3rd in Amsterdam. And then in Boston, we have Victor Victrola, our host and producer there, uh, bringing something to the Somerville Armory on March 5th. So that's Boston on March 5th. And then on March 9th, I will be doing a lovely little event in Mannheim. When I say little, I mean this place is fucking vast. It's so big that we basically have to hold the smut slam in the kitchen and dining area because otherwise we'd be overwhelmed. Uh, but Mannheim is coming up there on March 9th. Go check it out. We got links to all those shows with ticket links and everything on our website, smutslam.com. If you're looking for other shows by me, well, you just got to wait a little longer. I've got some grant applications in the process, and I'm hoping to get some more showings of my storytelling show, Muse, coming up in the fall or winter, all right? So just stay tuned to that. You can follow me always on 
Facebook or Instagram, just like you can follow Smut Slime International in either of those locations. That's it for now, folks. It's getting warm in places where it's been cold. It's cooling down in places where it's been warm. So I hope wherever you are, wherever you're listening to this, you are staying comfortable, well-fed, and well-loved. We'll see you next time. You know what it is. Your life is awesome. This has been Your Life is Awesome, a story podcast from Smutslam with Cameron Moore. Produced by me, Mark Seestedt. Music by Sticky Biscuits. A huge thank you to all storytellers featured. All stories are being shared with permission. Thanks also to Enjoy Toys, makers of deluxe stainless steel instruments of pleasure, for continually supporting Smutslam. Find them at enjoytoys.com. If you want to help us make more of these, plus get access to longer episodes and other bonus material, please join our Patreon at patreon.com. Your life is awesome. If that's not in the cards right now, you can also help by rating and reviewing this show. Look for that option in your podcast app. We might read out some reviews on a future episode. Got a question for Cameron? Write or send a voice recording to smutslampodcast at gmail.com. This too might be featured on the podcast. And if you want to find out more about Smutslam and the code of conduct we use in the shows, go to smutslam.com. All links mentioned can be found in the podcast info. Thanks for listening.